when are we going to stop seeing the, the kind of exponential growth in terms of what we've, we're accomplishing on the human performance side from, you know, you look back at Annie Thor's daughter and there's a lot of footage of this, like her at the 2009 games, you know, she's this rail skinny little thing trying to get her first muscle up and, um, cleaning her, her snatch was, uh, 105 pounds, um, to where she is now, you know, snatching 200 pounds, you know, in the middle of this 15 test events, you know, and massively fatigued. I, I think we're still in the midst of the, the hockey stick growth in terms of human potential, um, where year over year, these athletes are going to get massively, massively better. So I think that we have until these young kids that are starting the sport and we have people that enter the sport with 10, 10 years of experience. Once they kind of make their path through, so maybe it's two decades away, but I think that once we have, you know, I think we're just entering into this with the Mal O'Briens and, um, you know, mm -hmm. Emma Carey's. And once these athletes that have been doing this as a, as a teenage years, you know, uh, Gee, um, you know, Mal Haros, who um, won the snatch, these are the teenage athletes that are finally entering the sport. Once these guys have their 10 year careers and the new athletes come in behind them, I think that's where it'll start to level off. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing, never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm doing great. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, every year, at least I, th I think we've done this every year that we've had this podcast. We kind of the first time you and I get back together after the games, we use it as an excuse uh, really for me to just bug you with questions about your thoughts and your experiences at the games. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. This is the first time we chatted since the games, uh, which was, I think, when this records probably two weekends ago or when this publishes about two weekends ago. So I want to um, just get a sense from you coming out of the games, what you've learned, what you're excited about, what might, um, what you might be changing, what you all, you know, all these kinds of things. And so I wanted to start first with just a uh, kind of a high level general thoughts from you on uh, this is kind of like what I've been thinking about is just like the first, like the first games under Rosa. And I know he was there and the 2020 and I, but yeah. that was a different experience. That was like, not at all to take away from what every, all the work that everybody did in 2020, but like, that was, that was making the best out of a bad situation. And this was the first year we really saw what CrossFit, what CrossFit HQ with the CrossFit games wanted the games to begin to look like again or look like going forward. So just from your experience, your, your perspective, uh, having been there, curious, your thoughts on like the sport, the, the event, the, the, um, the experience in and of itself, like what were you thinking going, coming out of that? Yeah. The, um, the 2020 game certainly was different. And I think that you, you nailed it with, they did the best that they could with a strange situation. Uh, yeah. for those that are, you know, are following along at home, it was the, they did the stage one of the games at home and is an online competition. And then the top five, top five girls went to Aromas and it was, uh, um, very isolated and very surreal only to have five athletes competing this year at the mm -hmm. games. Um, yes, it was the second under Rosa, but I agree. It was like kind of the first real games under the new regime. It was also the first game games, um, with Noble. Um, as a title sponsor. Right. 
And um, it was so here. My, my takeaway is it felt really normal. It felt like nothing's like the, we never skipped a beat. It was a packed house. It was full crowds. It was the same setup in terms of the uh, the arena and the outdoor venue. Um, it was the same sort of cadence. Um, it didn't feel any different, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas last year obviously felt very, very different. The the only thing I could point to that was kind of different, if at all, it, like certainly there was no like, um, I didn't feel any Rosa influence, if that you want to say it that way. It was still very much um, Dave Castro's baby and he ran it very well like he, like he always does. The, the only difference was, um, which would not be privy to the public, was the athlete check-in experience was very, very different. And that's mm-hmm. something that um, the title sponsor is resp- is the title sponsor is responsible for that process. So yeah. instead of Reebok having in the past, which is it was neat and very exhaustive, but I, exhaustive in both sense of the, the term. It was like complete and thorough, but it was also exhausting. It was like mm. eight different steps. You had to try on all these different shoes and like weave your way through this whole. Pro- the the noble experience was to they kind of nailed it. it was very simplistic very bold um very professional but also very kind of like raw in the best sense and i know those are really kind of uh, elusive terms um it was really cool when the athletes went to check in it was like they, they turned the, the the venue into a massive locker room and everyone had their personalized locker um with lights inset into the lockers and their jerseys set up like like you were called up to the big leagues for the first time and your locker was set up for you and then from there you had a essentially a personal shopper that if nothing fit they would go run and grab you a new size or a new fit or make a tweak for you and it was um it was really um visually appealing and as a user experience was very um fun to be a part of so i thought that part was nailed after that the the noble, essentially, it's no. They don't have any um, in, involvement, and it was the Dave Castro games again, and it went off very well. And I thought the test was very good. Hmm. Um, I hadn't really even thought about asking you about the noble angle of it, and so just for a little bit of context, you are involved with noble to the degree that you are right. And I know it's, you know, you're not in there designing shoes and whatnot, but I'm curious in the lead up, you know, we haven't really talked about this at all, even, even since the announcement of noble being the primary sponsor of the games, what has that been? Again, if you can maybe take us behind the curtain, as much as you've been involved, as much as you can, like, what has that been like for them and for you, if you've had any involvement in it, in them stepping in and becoming the primary, the, 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 the sponsor of the games this year and kind of going forward? Um, what are they, you know, again, as much as you can say, like, what are they trying to do different from Reebok? Why did this make so much sense for them uh, and all that? Like, if you can give us any perspective on that, I think that'd be really interesting. Well, th- it, it was a born. It was a it was a brand that was born inside the CrossFit space. So Noble is through and through CrossFit at its core. It is a brand for people that want to work hard, that people that don't want to make excuses. It's it's us in a sense. It's yeah. Um, you know, it's people that listen to this podcast. It's the people that want to um, earn it, not look for a shortcut. 
So it just made sense in a lot of ways that they um, were were able to become the title sponsor. The ways it doesn't make sense is they're a brand that was born out of the CrossFit space. And those brands are supposed to be small and not able to do that. And um, so it's amazing that they could do it. And um, from the brand perspective, it makes a lot of sense, you know, both in that it, it keeps us at the forefront. Um, it's something that we're incredibly proud of to be a part of across the space. And the amazing thing is like at last, at previous games, if I saw somebody wearing noble shoes and a noble shirt, I would go up and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I would just go up to them and say like, I like your shirt. I like your shoes. And if the conversation ensued, cool. If not, like just let them know that I like their shirt and shoes. <laughs> that would be an impossibility this year. <laughs> it's like, you could, yeah. it's like, so the effect it's had on the brand is cool and huge, um, yeah. you know, because we've immediately become the most relevant brand in the space, which is terrific and phenomenal. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's an amazing full circle that this comes on the heels of last year's CrossFit roller coaster where Noble actually, you know, um, publicly said we are separating from the, the CrossFit space because of the leadership that was in place and what they stood for. And I think it speaks volumes to the changes that have happened inside of our community that was initiated by the community. You know, we um, we said we don't stand for that, both the affiliates and the individuals. And uh, because that, a lot of change has happened all for the better. And now it's a thing that we're all incredibly proud of again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting when they announced it. One, one, I thought it was just surprising. Um, I think maybe just because, and I probably wasn't alone in this, like I... I I didn't know that Noble was at the level that they could pull that off, right? But but when I really thought about it, what I thought was the most interesting part about that that partnership or that new relationship was that it was a signal from CrossFit to the community that they were still focused on the community because Noble is a company that came out of CrossFit. They could have easily, not easily, they could have gotten Ford or Under Armour or any number of other brands that could have thrown in the, the the amount of money necessary to be the title sponsor. But they said, no, you know what? We're going to go back into the community. We're not going to go out and look for somebody else who wants to come in and plaster their name and their logo on top of us. We're going to try to find somebody who came out of this community and, and, and in some ways support them as they support us as well. And so I just thought that that was an interesting choice from CrossFit. I don't know if it was conscious. I don't know if it was on purpose. I don't know if they did it, you know, with that intent. But to me, that's what I saw when I saw that new relationship. It was like, oh, okay, they're they're letting us know that they're they're looking inward and not looking out. And I thought that that was I thought that was a good sign. We've we've always been kind of skeptical of outsiders as as CrossFit. Yeah. We've kind of it's been it's been embedded into our DNA of um, <laughs> fear the the vulture capitalist that comes in and tries to, um, you know, monetize this thing. And I think it was a very strategic move on Eric Rose's part, who is um, not a vulture capitalist, but a venture capitalist. And, you know, he has um, um, a lot of, you know, not, not venture, but private equity money behind him. And I think that there's, there could be a lot of skepticism around what they're trying to do. And I thought it was very strategic to, as you said, you know, turn inward and not outward for those reasons. 
Um, you mentioned a few times that uh, the event itself, kind of the Dave Castro Games, which is the maybe maybe the 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 unofficial title sponsor of the CrossFit Games. Um, give me a sense or give us a sense of uh, your thoughts on the programming, on the test, kind of real big picture, like as it was unfolding, um, and have you as you've had a little bit of time to reflect on uh, the test in and of itself. Like what what are your big takeaways? What are your big thoughts? What are the things you're kind of coming home with? Yeah. All right. So this is my favorite part of the discussion about the games, right? <laughs> the programming and, and the test. Um, yep. Okay. So first thing that I loved and we learned really early was that there's going to be 15 tests that I, the more tests, the better. So yeah. loved that. Um, and then there were big days. So there was four events on day one, a rest day, and then five events on Friday. That is incredible. The next thing we learned was essentially that there's going to be cuts, but no cuts happened before nine events. Like the regionals used to be six events. So it's essentially like a, a, a super regionals before they made any cuts at all. So anybody that is, I know that there's a lot of um, internet banter back and forth about cuts. Anybody that, that um, doesn't understand the reason or um, the, the, um, the care that was taken before these cuts were made just doesn't understand sports in general. Like you mm -hmm. can't get whittled down. You can, but very, 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 very few sports don't whittle it down in some way. And, you know, it's like basically like, okay, let's have a Super Bowl, but let's have the Super Bowl with all 32 teams. It's like, that doesn't happen. You whittle it down to two. And then the even more precedent that's been set for this is people are like, well, you yeah, but these people are, you know, pick up their lives and, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars to get there and um, they're gone after uh, two days of competition. Well, yeah, two days of competition, nine events, they had their chance to get themselves farther along as opposed to the Olympics where you travel across the world and in 10 and a half seconds, your competition, your Olympics are over. It's, it, it, it yeah, the, the cuts are I think a very good thing. It allows for greater um, flexibility of programming, if, um, flexibility of the test, i.e. the the platform, spotlight, um, max effort lift. But it's um, it 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 it's just the way that I think that sports should go. I, I think that it allows um, for so much. The, the other thing that people don't realize is when you are there, if you're watching from home, it's not as big a deal because you kind of like fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. But when you're on site and you're watching, you know, three or four heats of guys, then three or four heats of girls, you end up watching six to eight heats of the same event. Like it gets incredibly boring and monotonous. Whereas these events that they do now, which are like 20, 30 athletes on the field, or they're whittled down to two heats and it's just like, it just goes and it goes, it goes, it makes for a much better product. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's my take on those first two things that we kind of found out about the number of tests and then the cuts. And then for the tests themselves, the first thing you kind of look for is the breadth. So are they testing kind of both ends of the spectrum? Are they testing super short, super light, super heavy and super long? And they kind of nailed that with two longer tests, one over an hour, kind of a strange one, but, um, you know, swimming and paddle. And then another long one, which was, you know, closer to the 30 minute mark of running and toes the bar. So you kind of get this kind of like off the beaten path. You could say it's an outlier event, but then you also get this like classic CrossFit of like gymnastics 
and monostructural with running with toes of ours and running. So you get the long ones. They get the short ones, which is also awesome, which you get just the, the one rep max lift. Awesome. Takes seconds. And then you get this other one that they do with these intervals, um, which takes, um, you know, upwards of two, three minutes. And then you get another one, which takes about a minute, which is the, you know, minute and a half, which is the 500 meter run. So they got both ends of the spectrum and they fill in the gaps in between with all the normal kind of like seven, eight minute ish stuff, you know, with, the um, you know, the thrusters and wall walks and the pegboards and, um, one arm double overhead, one arm dumbbell squats and, the twenty-one fifteen nine assault bike and snatch. And so you get in all that kind of like classic crossfitty type stuff, but then you also get in the higher skill stuff like freestanding handstand pushups and pegboards and heavyweight double unders. And so, um, in terms of the, 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 the efficacy and the totality of the test, I am a fan. Um, I thought it was very, very good. If I was to nitpick on something, um, and I think Dave would point to this as well, is the run um, clean back to back. I don't think that was as varied as he was looking for. I think mm-hmm. that um, the there was too much similarity in who won those events. I think that the first one should have been lighter um, and maybe longer run or something just kind of push it out a little bit and they did change the last one the second one on the fly because they realized how it was kind of a miss um they they changed the time caps because people weren't finishing um and they shortened the run in the second one because it was going to be too close um but Mm. to to give essentially 200 points to almost the same i don't say the same test but a very similar too similar of a test um I think it was the only kind of like hiccup in the weekend. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Um, where, you know, the other, did you... I, the other thing I really liked about it was kind of, there was this like, there was a little bit of like a wow factor to this. I think more so than some other years where people go like, Whoa, that's what they're doing now. So like, for example, um, first one was like, swimming a mile, like, whoa, okay, that's kind of legit. And then 42 muscle-ups in a workout, like, whoa, that's legit. But then really legit is these, you know, the freestanding handstand push-ups coupled with 30 deadlifts at 405 pounds. Like that event is something that people can kind of go like, I get it. Like this is not, these are not normal human beings that are just like, you could just take um, you know, LeBron James and throw him in this. You couldn't just take Usain Bolt and throw him in this. You couldn't just take a gymnast and throw them in this. You couldn't just take, you know, um, I'm going to date myself, but like uh, a, a Conor McGregor and just put them in here. It's like these guys have ends of the spectrums in terms of, you know, they're running the 5K with um, with 90 toes to bars in, in, inside of that and they're still running it at, you know, just over a six minute mile. Like the, the, the abilities of these athletes really shown, showed bright, you know, in terms of like, and you know, the handstand walk obstacle course with going over stairs and over parallettes, it's, um, they're doing stuff that normal super fit human beings aren't even capable of doing. At what point, like, you know, staying on that point for a minute, like where in just guessing, 
or maybe for you, it's an educated guess. But at what point, like every year, we can kind of say that thing to a degree every year, right? Think about the 2009 games to certainly to where we are now. And every year has been like, oh, this is where we're at now. That's what they can do now. Do you have a sense, like, are we a year, five years, 10 years away from like actually finding you know the 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 case in point of the 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 um, clean run workout, right? He's got to change it on the fly because of time caps. And like, okay, maybe maybe I, maybe I overshot here or undershot or whatever the case might be. Like, where do we get to the point where Dave's like, okay, I found it. <laughs> if I push any more than this, then I've got athletes not finishing workouts and looking uh, and looking not like the elite athletes they are. Do you have any sense of like, are we a year, five years, ten years away from? Dave, from us, from you being like, okay, we found it. And now, now it's just a matter of like, uh, you know, 1%. I, I don't think we'll ever find that in terms of the test because what he's constantly trying to do is expose gaps. Mm. So that's his job. And if the athletes don't finish workouts, that's not necessarily on him. That's on the athletes, mm -hmm. um, to an extent. Um, but case in point is, you know, when he, you know, briefed the pegboard workout, he, he's essentially, he said multiple times, he's like, we're going to figure out who didn't do their homework. So he's trying to figure out who's not prepping for a, a, a varied enough test. When, you know, in terms of when are we going to stop seeing the, the kind of exponential growth in terms of what we've, we're accomplishing on the human performance side from, you know, you look back at Annie Thor's daughter and there's a lot of footage of this, like, her at the 2009 games, you know, she's this rail skinny little thing trying to get her first muscle up and um, cleaning her, her snatch was uh, 105 pounds um, to where she is now, you know, snatching 200 pounds, you know, in the middle of this 15 test events, you know, and massively fatigued. I, I think we're still in the midst of the, the hockey stick growth in terms of human potential. Um, where year over year, these athletes are going to get massively, massively better. Eventually, that start that will start to taper off, like any sport, you know. In um, you know, especially these newer, kind of more extreme individual sports, like the, the exponential growth of like BMX or skateboarding or motocross. Where mm -hmm. motocross, it was thought to be impossible to do a backflip on a on a motorized vehicle, and now they're doing doubles. It's like the, you know, extreme skiing where before, if you could, you know, um, you know, land something off a 40 foot cliff, it was like death defying. Now they're doing double backflips off six, 70 foot cliffs. It's just like the, the growth is again, exponential. So, you know, surfing where before it was impossible to surf 40 foot waves and now they're surfing hundred foot waves. I think that we're still in that growth trajectory, but like any sport that's been around for hundreds of years, eventually the hockey stick levels off to more of a um, a linear upward trajectory, more like, um, um, you know, like track and field events now where people will, or, you know, swimming where there will be world records set, but they don't happen every year. They'll happen, you know, some records might stand for a decade or so. I think that we're probably still a decade away from that. So I think that we have until these young kids that are starting the sport and we have people that enter the sport with 10, 10 years of experience. Once they kind of make their path through, so maybe it's two decades away, but I think that once we have, you know, I think we're just entering into this with the Mal O'Briens and 
um, you know, mm-hmm. Emma Carey's. And once these athletes that have been doing this as, as a teenage years, you know, uh, Guy, um, you know, Malheros, who um, won the snatch. These are the teenage athletes that are finally entering the sport. Once these guys have their 10-year careers and the new athletes come in behind them, I think that's where it'll start to level off. Do you think part of that might be pushed pushed into the future even further? You know, I think about, you know, swim and track, I think are great examples in the sense of those events don't change. <laughs> the 50 meter butterfly doesn't change. The hundred meter dash doesn't change. And so it's, it's left to the athletes to right. say, okay, can I right. figure out how to get the extra point two, the extra point three, whereas in CrossFit and, and maybe this is the, 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 um, this is the, this is why the games will continue to be interesting, at least to those of us who care is that the, the test can always change. And so the super simple example, but Dave could, Dave could go into next year and say, okay, I'm going to find the the athlete who can go really long and really light. And I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to bias too much towards the super heavy. Right. And because of that, the test in and of itself starts to favor different athletes in different ways. And be, and he can continue to do that every year, assuming that it's him or assuming that it's it's an individual. The test can change so much every year that the the athletes go in and right, it's the unknown and the unknowable. But is is that is that a benefit to the games, or is at some point is that going to be a challenge to the growth of the CrossFit Games? Right, we've talked about before your uh, your opinion on like why you don't want the CrossFit Games in the Olympics. It's because it standardizes it, it standardizes it in, to a large degree. It has to be standardized in order to make something like that work. Um, but the games, at least as they've always been, are re- very unstandardized. And yeah, so I guess the question in there is like, is it possible that if as long as it still looks like that, and as long as it's Dave or somebody like Dave every year, you know, starts, you know, he's already started to think about next year, he can make it what he wants it to be. And so therefore we may never find the edge, the, the actual edges because the, the corners, the constraints, the walls are always moving and always changing. Yeah. I think that's a, I think it's a very valid point that um, I think that what I push on a little bit though, is, is if he biases it one way towards, you know, example, like you said, towards uh, yeah. lighter um, that doesn't help the sport move forward. It hinders it because then what we do is we become more specialized and the, the broadness of it and the wow factor of these guys being able to do in one workout 30 deadlifts at 405 pounds and 30 freestanding hands and pushups, that's the end of the spectrums that we're looking for. That they can snatch 300 pounds and run you know, 16 minute 5Ks. Like that's the end of the spectrums. If it's just the, the strength, which is the way the sport went back in 2008 when they came out of those games, they was all short and heavy. That didn't help the sport. It hindered it because it made it more um, trainable. It made it more like other sports. It made it more known. So I think that it's it's very much on Dave's radar. I think Dave does a terrific job of making sure that um, he stays true to the the varied test of broad, general, and inclusive. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, one of the things that you liked and one of the uh, I think one of the things that Dave's always testing is the number of events. Do you imagine that that one of the one of the ways he will continue to test these athletes in the same way that we've been talking, but also like is there an outer range of number of events we're gonna we're gonna do over a number of days, right? Maybe in a couple of years it's twenty events over six days, right? And because that then becomes another 
way to play the game, another way to test the athletes, right? Again, which is different than you're not going to go to a swim event and all of a sudden now there's seven, seven races you're doing instead of four that you expected or whatever it might be. Well, actually in swim events, they do do that. There's a number of cuts before you get to the final. So some That's of these true. athletes yep. swim multiple Test. events and they have a, um, the 200 free and, uh, um, but they know what they are going in though. Yeah, correct. Yep. Uh, um, yes. Um, so to, to answer the question though, I absolutely think that that's a, that's a, a, a lever that he can play with to further the sport and it is being done. If we looked at the first CrossFit games ever, there was only three events. Um, and the next one had five and the next one had, I'm going to get it wrong, but probably somewhere around seven or eight And every, not every year, but every couple of years, the, the capacities of the athletes are increasing. And I think that 15 this year was the most, it was 15 for 15. It's the 15th year of the CrossFit game. So, um, oh, that's cool. I think that that was the most events that they've ever done. Certainly five in one day was the most they've ever done, but I do think that they could get to, um, and I would love it. Like let's remove the rest day and let's do a test or two there and we can get up to, um, 16 or 17 events. And then we add another day in and we're, I think that your, um, 20 events in um, six days is very realistic. And I think that would be um, a phenomenal test. I do think at some point it tips over to um, become unnecessary. Um, mm. where it becomes the thing itself. And eventually you're doing adventure racing where it's just who can stay awake for um, four or five days without sleeping. And I don't think that that should be the test. I think it should be, I think volume, recoverability, um, the, the, the broadness of it is all, all super important to be a part of it, um, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Got it. I'd love to turn maybe to your, uh, your, your, your team, your coaches, your athletes, uh, experience of the games this year, high level thoughts coming out like where, and, and the caveat being, of course, that there's some things that you're not going to talk about because <laughs> they're, they're competitive advantages. They're, they're what you do. And so obviously we're not expecting that, but as much as you can give us kind of like walk us through the weekend, as it relates to what you learned, what your athletes learned, what your coaches learned, what you guys are coming home, thinking about planning to work on, uh, happy about unhappy about all that stuff. Um, so we, we've done some things well, and we've done some things not so well. So, which is, um, hopefully you come out of every single experience with that. So you have kind of like the after action report of um, what are we going to use and repeat and what are we going to change? Um, mm -hmm. Fairly high level. The thing that we did very well this year was this the first year we trained together as a team. Um, and there was a lot of question marks coming into that about what that was going to look like. Or were we going to be able to create a team or was it going to be a bunch of um, – uh, disgruntled individuals that resented the attention other athletes were getting, or was it going to be, um, the type of thing where they were, um, so competitive that they blew each other up or mm -hmm. was it going to be a type of thing where there was one bad apple that spoiled the whole bunch. And what we did very, very well this year was, um, with a lot of intentionality is created a, a really strong team inside an individual sport. Um, they truly did support each other at the games. We, um, had a lot of meals together. We always walked to the venue together. We sat together. Um, so it was very, Sam who didn't make the games came to the games and was one of our coaches there while we were there. Um, so we, it was a very, uh, I'm very proud of that. And honestly, that goes a, beyond just kind of like this year for these athletes is they created 
friendships, bonds, um, stuff that will last them lifetimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as the whole person goes, I think that they all had a lot of growth. So I thought that we did a phenomenal job with that. The things that we can do better, um, is we can work with the individual more. Um, so there was a, uh, some, some level of it was, um, tr- maybe, leaning too much into the team stuff and we could work more on it's, it's, it's tricky and it's hard to find that right balance, but it's something that I'm, I'm coming out of the games with a lot of awareness of is how can we continue to maximize the individuals inside of this team environment? Um, mm-hmm. and the next one is, which I, I think there's rarely a games that I don't come out of this with is we can work harder. Like we mm-hmm. can, and we should be, you know, I think that anytime you, you Anytime you don't go into the games like injured, beat up, blown up, or um, overtrained, you always feel like that. So I want to, I want to, um, you know, grab onto that one with a, a couple grains of salt. But I, I just am. The hunger is so strong to eat, go even farther and work even harder. Hmm. What are the conversations? Uh, you know, obviously to the degree that you want to talk about it. But what are the conversations been like with the athletes so far? Just as the as the the games, as the kind of the adrenaline rush of the games has sort of uh, started to come down a bit. Is everybody excited to get back to work? Are you starting to make plans already? Are you starting to tweak things already? Like, what does that look like from from both from kind of that coach to athlete uh, level? Yeah. So every year we do a little bit differently, and this year in terms of the like the ac- after action debrief and the conversations afterwards. Um, in general, um, there has not been a lot of conversations by design. Um, I wanted this year. So in years past, I've had, you know, uh, multiple hour sit downs the morning after the games to kind of reflect and go over everything. Um, this year I'm, I'm purposely giving more space before that happens with the hopes of maybe, um, less emotion and, um, not that emotion's bad, but I, I'd like to just allow um, the dust to settle a little bit and give people the time to reflect personally before we do it um, in the coach, athlete, or in a team environment. So mm-hmm. um, Katrin and Amanda both went to Hawaii. Chandler went home. Sam went home. Cole went home. So um, I went to, to the Cape. I'm on the Cape right now. And we're all taking two weeks to kind of just like let the dust settle. You know, um, with most of the athletes, I had, you know, meaningful conversations about how they feel about it, but not the in-depth stuff that we normally do where we, you know, go event by event and um, specific training piece by training piece to prepare. And, um, you know, how was our nutrition? How was our um, sleep? How was our recovery? How was it? And we could try to like pull as much as we possibly can out of every single aspect. We have not had those conversations yet. So um, we're waiting on that. Yeah. Is it, is it uh, different or how is it different for the, the comp train team? You know, you, Harry, Dan, the coaches, have you started that kind of debrief or even that? Are we taking a step back and saying, let's take a deep breath and then, you know, whatever it is in a week, whatever, we'll sit down and we'll actually um, start to put a plan together for what did we learn and what are we going to change going forward? Yep. Um, had a meeting with, um, uh, this morning, actually, that's a meeting that I had before this one, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to kind of, uh, do a, our, our first debrief, um, staying very high level, 
Um, and again, we'll give it another week or two before we go into the, the real specifics. Uh, specifics. Um, but I've had um, the, a couple of the conversations. It's hard not to, honestly, yeah. um, with some of the coaches, but purposely have not gone into any of the, the real details of the, the what happens or what's going to happen going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to skip over. I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect the, the, the age group qualifiers, the masters, the teens, anything your, from your experience, both there watching, but also on the, on the comp trade side. Cause I know that that's a big part of what you guys focus on and that you work on. Um, any big takeaways, any big lessons on, uh, on, on the, uh, on either the masters or the, or the teens worth talking about? Yeah. The, t- the takeaways, those guys are awesome. <laughs> they're they're phenomenal um as a to, as a group in in as a whole um all of the age groupers the teenagers and the the um the masters athletes you know mostly because they all have other roles and responsibilities in their lives they have families they have school they have jobs um so they're doing this kind of the way the way that more the way it was intended to in a sense um and that it's it's a thing that we do in addition to. It's not their whole lives. They're not professional athletes. And the capacity that these guys have are so impressive. You know, like the to watch what the 55-year-olds and the, the 60-year-olds are doing, um, you know, when most doctors are trying to get them off of, you know, you know mm-hmm. off of medications – or maybe most doctors are trying to get them on medications. Um, you know, and these guys are, you know, at, uh, um, at levels of performance and functionality that most 20-year-olds would aspire to is so breathtaking and so phenomenal. So that's as a whole. Mm-hmm. As um, from the comp train crew inside of that, um, we had um, for our first time, we had um, – a team of coaches supporting these guys. And that was phenomenal and awesome. I, I met with them before the weekend kicked off and kind of laid out the principles and introduced the team. Um, but what it showed me is that we can do even more um, with and for these guys going forward. Um, they're phenomenal athletes. They um, have a really strong community and um, we can do even more for them. You know, to, to kind of, it's almost like a, so Case in point and how cool these, these masters athletes are, the 65-year-olds, all of them got together for their own dinner outside of CrossFit. They arranged it themselves and they all had dinner together uh, two nights before the, the, the competition kicked off at a restaurant. Mm. One, of the, one of the masters athletes rented out a restaurant and invited all the, his other f- competitors to join him and they got together as a, um, a meet and greets. Um, it was just What's also super cool is Castro showed up to that. Um, It's just, it's without like, without um, it sounding soft, it's really neat. (laughs) It's really, (laughs) it's really neat to see what these guys are doing. Love that. Um, Cool. That leads me uh, kind of nicely into the last thing I wanted to chat with you about, which is it was hard, you know, from my couch watching not to notice the um, incredible performances on the individual side from the young athletes. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned some of them, Mal and Emma and Guy and even Justin Medeiros. I think he's yep. 22. I would still, I would still put him in the, in the young kids uh, category. Curious what your thoughts are, what maybe that's an indication of what 
that means for what you're doing, what Comptrain is doing, what you're planning on in the future, just anything on that end of things. I think, again, that was my one of my really big takeaways, other than like Annie's continues to be amazing, um, is that it seems to be there, there was a period of the games where it was like 25, 26 seems to be where the age was, where you started to really uh, peak, where you were on the podium. And now it's starting to be like, well, maybe it's 23, maybe it's 22. And who knows what the Haley's and the Emma's and the, and, and the Mal's are going to look like in the next couple of years. But curious what, if anything, we can learn from their generally their performance this year. Yeah. I, um, so a, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, and the first one is, yes, um, the sport is getting younger and you can perform at a super high level. Um, in your teenage years on the biggest stage possible. That's been proven. Um, the next is, um, with all the attention that the youth has gotten this year, I don't think much has changed. Um, mm. Other than that, you know, when Katrin won her first game, she was 22. Justin's mm. 21 22. Um, half the podium was over 30 this year. So... Um, I just think what's, what's happened this year is it's not necessarily, you know, there's been the, the youngins forever, you know, from um, Ben Smith and Sam Quant to Haley Adams to Catherine David's daughter. There's been the, the 19 and 20 year olds cracking the sport and having lots of success super early on. Um, I think that what's happening is, um, which is so phenomenal, and I'm, I'm so excited about this, is it's showing the, long, the potential longevity of the sport. Whereas before, mm. I agree with you, it seemed like everyone peaked at 24 to 27 and there was these outliers of two to three years younger, two to three older. And if ever there was a year to disprove that theory, it was this one. With you have the 17-year-olds um, in the top 10 and then you also have the 35 and 36-year-olds making a splash. You know, Jason Smith, 35. Um, Sam Briggs, 36. So, you know, in half the podium being over 30, the average cost, the average age at the CrossFit Games this year was 30 on the male side and 30 on the female mm. side. So I think that the, a lot of attention is going to the young and rightfully so. I think that they are obviously the future of the sport and they are, they are in a sense rewriting the rules of when you're allowed to um, be a contender. But the... Um, I think that all that's happened is like maybe the standard deviation off the mean is just getting wider. Mm. Um, um, I, and I don't think it's at, I don't think the average is tilting younger. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't realize that for the average age for the, for the, the, both the men and the women that, that definitely um, colors, yeah, it's, colors it's it more. And, yeah. So like the average age was 30 and it wasn't because of some outliers, right? It's not because you had a 65 right. year old in there that threw it off. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Um, it was, um, you know, 30. And then if anything, the, the younger people threw it off because the oldest was 36 and the youngest was 17. Well, that's only six years plus, and that's 13 years minus. So if anything, there's more athletes on the older side than there is on the younger side. Yeah. Super interesting. All right, cool. Wrapping this up, anything, uh, maybe that we didn't talk about games related this year related, or maybe even like moving into next year related worth talking about that's kind of been on your mind that you want to share or uh, did we cover most of the good stuff? I, um, oh, I mean, I, I love talking about events. So I, I could go, <laughs> I could do a whole podcast going event by event, you know, and talking about like the, the, 
the the, the test, um, all, like who did well, like, but maybe what, some favorite events that pop out for me is mm-hmm. I really I really liked probably the simplest of them all, um, which was the assault bike snatch. I just think mm. that's so pure ultra CrossFit, and anyone that's ever been on I I, saw, I called it an assault bike echo bike um ever been on one of those things knows how much that round of 15 is just so terrible um so i love that event um visually it was uh, super easy to watch too because it was there um but i thought all the events were really solid i think that amrap i love the test super hard to watch that was the pegboard snap pegboard uh, it's just you didn't know who was in the lead um, because they weren't moving something, they weren't moving across the field. Um, and then another kind of like dark horse for like an event that I loved, and this is just me in general, I always love is, um, was the run toe to bar. I just love pure races where at every single second you can tell who's in the lead. And that's what you could do there. You could always tell at every second who was in first, who was in second, who was in third and how the gaps they were from them. So, um, loved those as well i thought the uh the um move the yoke thing so the buy-in with the intervals um so it was 20 ghd eight cheese curd burpees over the hay bale and then a heavy yoke across the field could have been one of the best events in the but it was they misprogrammed it and people almost finished in round one so um yeah so maybe another miss i thought that could have been one of the cooler events in the games um you know i think it should have been 30 ghds honestly, and, um, a short amount of time and more separation there, but all in all, um, you know, I could go event by event and, and, and talk about all of them. Um, I did like them all. I thought that, you know, the 550 yard sprint is a necessary test. You have to test speed. Um, you know, um, so maybe we can do it. Maybe we'll do another chat where we kind of like talk about events more specifically. Event by event. Yeah. Love that. I'm a man. Thank you. Welcome home. Uh, hope you and the entire Compton crew take a nice deep breath before you, uh, you get back to it in a week or so. Uh, thank you everybody out there for listening, for your ratings and reviews. Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.